part of uh, a group of pastors, and we get together for a pastor's conference. It's not a large group. There are only about 60 or 70 of us. It's more like a retreat. And one pastor hosts it every year, and the rest of us get to go along. And uh, in addition to us, our sitting around and talking about topics that interest pastors, uh, and we talk a lot about preaching, and we talk about a lot about leadership. Um, but we always have some fun thing that the host puts together that we do. Well, this past spring, it was April, and we were in Destin, Florida, and we, uh, the, the host arranged for us to go deep sea fishing. I am not a fisherman at all, and uh, I, I fished a little bit when I was a kid, you know, that kind of thing where you go out with your dad, that kind of deal, but I, I'm not really a fisherman, uh, but, you know, I'm with this group of pastors, and I didn't want to be the only one who doesn't go. That doesn't look cool, and so I said, okay, I'm just going to go just for the fellowship. We get out there, and it's pretty easy if you get on one of these boats, if you've ever done this kind of thing. You get out there, and the guy baits your hook for you, and you just throw it in the water and reel it in. I mean, it's not hard or anything. And so I'm fishing along, and the funny thing was that the non-fisherman on the boat caught the most fish on the boat, which is really funny. And uh, I caught the only fish we were able to keep because they have to be a certain size. So I caught one, one fish that we kept, and the rest of the guys didn't catch anything we could keep. But I learned a couple of things out there. And the, one of the first lessons I learned was I was reeling in this fish. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, it was like, it was like Moby Dick. I mean, you know, it was just this huge fish. I'm sure it was like about like that, okay? But I'm, I'm looking down the water, and I'm reeling it in, and all of a sudden I see this silver flash go by. My, 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 reel, my, my line tugs real hard, and my fish is gone. And I didn't even recognize what it was at first. And the guy laughs, and he says, now you know why children love dolphins and fishermen hate them. He had stolen my fish. It was a dolphin. It was so fast that I didn't, couldn't even make out exactly what it was. But uh, they li literally would do that. They gather on those boats and they steal the fish off the fisherman's line. But as I was fishing, I began to think about what fishing is. Fishing is an exercise in temptation. What I'm trying to do, if I'm the fisherman is I'm trying to entice that fish to take a bite out of something that he thinks is going to satisfy him. It's something that he thinks he really wants. When that fish looks at that piece of bait, it's something that is appetizing to him. He thinks it's going to fulfill him. What he doesn't know is there's a hook in it. And that is the truth about temptation for every single one of us. The truth is that we are all tempted. Uh, temptation is a relevant topic to any, any group of people. If I was talking to college students, if I was talking to senior adults, I can talk about temptation. And it is a relevant topic because we are all going to be tempted. We are tempted in different ways, but we're all going to be tempted. And all of us need a better understanding of how temptation comes into our lives and what it takes for us to stand against it. As college students because I was one once, I know that there are a lot of temptations that are coming your way. There are a lot of things that are coming your way, and some of you are, are leaning hard into the bridge on Sunday morning for Life Group and coming here on Tuesday nights and, and going to a small group, and I'm all, uh, all about that. I'm really glad that you're, you're doing all those things. 
but because you're, you're realizing, man, I need this spiritual strength to stand against these really powerful temptations that I know press in on me. Some of us recognize the temptations that could be self-destructive. Some of us in this room, and I'm going to talk to you real straight, are a little naive when it comes to the subject of temptation. You think you can toy with it, that it's trivial, that it's not that big a deal. But I'm going to tell you that all temptation has a self-destructive element about it. So I want us to talk about temptation tonight for us to gain a, a, a better understanding, uh, for us to be able to stand against temptation and live a life that glorifies God. Look at James chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. James writes this short little explanation for us of temptation. And it is packed full of information that we can use and, and really put a hook or, or a handle on it so that we can use this next week. So let's, let's talk about, first of all, the cause of temptation. Where does temptation come from? Well, James wants to uh, sort of put a stop to one thought process immediately. James wants us to know, first of all, people blame God for their temptation. Apparently, that's what's happening here, or James wouldn't have felt compelled under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write these words in verse 13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God is absolute pure holiness. God is absolute pure righteousness. There is nothing evil about God. Since there is nothing evil about God, he could never be tempted. And then James goes a step forward, step, step farther. God never tempts anyone. No temptation you have ever faced is the work of God in your life. Just understand that. God does not tempt us. He is not the author of temptation. God does not tempt people. This past Saturday, I got a horrible phone call and um, terribly tragic. And, and a young lady who was an attender of our church committed suicide. It was awful. It was horrible. And immediately, immediately I thought of this passage of Scripture, which I was going to teach you tonight, to say to you, whatever put that thought in her head, it was not God. God's will is never your death and destruction. Just know that. That is, that is not His will for your life, that, that, you would, that you would take your own life. And I say that because... Uh, a lot of people suffer quietly. And not that I know anything about anybody in this room, but I just felt like I needed to step into this tonight and, and make a clear statement to you that if you've ever had a thought like that, it is not the voice of God. If you've ever heard that voice in your head, it was not the voice of God. He loves you, and he would never tempt you to do that. Some people say, well, if God is in control, isn't he in control of temptation? God is in control. God is sovereign. 
But God is so sovereign, he is so in control that he can let you make choices. And he lets every single one of us make choices. God created you with a will. Some people say you have a free will. It's not totally free. You have a fallen will. You're bent towards sin. We're, we're naturally just kind of, we naturally kind of veer off towards sin in our lives. That is who we are. And so let's understand clearly that God is not responsible for our temptation. Number two, some people blame Satan for temptation. Now, there's something I, I hope you noticed as we were reading through this. You probably didn't immediately uh, notice it. But if you read back through that text again, what you'll find is Satan is not mentioned here. Not at all. Because it's so easy for us to blame stuff on Satan. It is, it, it is like a Christian cliche to do the devil made me do it thing. You know, like, like, oh, the devil put this big temptation in front of me. I just couldn't help it. That is baloney. Okay? That is exactly the, the conversation that went on in the Garden of Eden. The garden, in the Garden of Eden, the man and the woman are tempted to eat from the fruit of the tree, and they eat from the fruit of the tree, and God comes to Adam, and he says, Adam, did you eat from the fruit of the tree? And Adam says, the woman whom you gave me, God, it's all your fault. You're to blame for this. He looks at the woman. He says, Eve, did you eat from the fruit of the tree? Eve said, well, the serpent, he's the, see, the devil made me do it. That's the same conversation that's been going on since the Garden of Eden. But it doesn't bring us any peace, and it doesn't help us to practically deal with temptation. There is a real devil. Satan is real, and he wants to destroy you. Satan has come to steal and kill and destroy. There is a real God who loves you, and he came, Jesus came, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So where does temptation come from then? Okay, if I, if I can't blame God, if I can't blame Satan, where does temptation come from? James says... Temptation begins with an internal source. Back in the text, let me read this for you again, or you might look back at your copy. He says, each one, verse 14, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. The word for lust there is the word epithumai. Epithumai means, it literally translates the fire within. That we are, we are tempted by that fire within. I think that's really descriptive, and it's a great way to picture temptation. I mean, how many love songs have been written about, you know, the fire within, that my heart's on fire for this girl, or, or, or the, some girl sings it about this guy, and, and, and we, we are drawn toward this. That's what the word that is translated lust literally means. It means the fire within. It is a strong desire for an object or for a person, you might, when we look at that. And so he says the first thing we need to understand is that temptation begins with an internal source. There is something in every single one of us. He, James writes, each one of us is tempted. Each one. That means temptation is universal. I want to I help you with this, and, and it may not help you. It may, may discourage you. You are never going to outgrow temptation. They change a little bit as you grow more mature. The, the temptations that you face are a little bit different than they were when you were 16 than you were when you're 20, when we're 26. When I'm 57, the temptations are a little bit different, but I'm going to tell you, it, 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 it doesn't go away. Some people seem to think that, you know what, if I could just get more spiritual, 
If I could just get closer to God, I wouldn't be tempted. That is an absolute falsehood. The closer you get to God, the more Satan wants to take you down and he sends those temptations. Satan is a part of temptation. And he of God, that is what he wants to do. That's what he desires. So each one, every single one of us, temptation is universal. But when you look at that, he says each one is tempted. Temptation is also unique. It's universal in the sense that we all get it. But it's unique in what tempts you might not tempt me. What is that fire inside? What's, what, what lights your fire might not be what lights my fire at all. There are certain things that some people are tempted by that I go, meh, that's nothing. But there are certain things that my eye is drawn to, and if I'm not careful, once it catches my eye, it'll capture my heart. And once it captures my heart, here I go, I'm being dragged off with it. And so I need to be really careful with that. I need to understand, what is it that uniquely tempts me? What is it that causes me to want to pull away from the goodness of God and to chase after something else? You know, what's really interesting about temptation, and uh, if you look back at the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the serpent comes to them and he says, has God really said you can't, you can't eat from any of the trees in this garden? They go, oh, no, no, there's only one. There's just this one tree. We, we can't eat from that tree. That's the only one. He goes, oh, but you know why you can't eat from that tree? That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you, if you eat from that tree, you'll be just like God. You see, what Satan said was, God is holding out on you. Temptation becomes powerful in my life and in yours when I begin to believe that God is withholding something from me that, would be, that I would like that is good for me. Uh, let me give you an example. God is very clear in his word that sexual activity is a blessing inside marriage. Inside a biblical marriage relationship between a man and a woman, sex is a beautiful, wonderful gift from God. Before that or outside that, sex is a sin against God. But there are so many people in our culture today who seem to believe, even Christians who seem to believe, oh, there's something missing in my life. You know, uh, I hear about these guys who are my age finding their soulmate on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, come on, dude. That's just so ridiculous. And they're chasing after some other woman. And here's the, the ridiculous part of that is that what they're really saying is that what God has granted me is not good enough. God, I, there's something else better that God didn't give me. God's holding out on me. Let me say something to you. God's, God's restrictions on anything are not to hold something back from you that would be good. It is to hold it until you're ready for it to be good. That's what God wants to do. So each one of us is tempted when we are, are, are dragged away or, when, when, or rather we, are, we lust in our hearts after some object. So temptation begins with an internal source. But temptation is awakened by an external force. Look back at the text. He says, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed. The word enticed there is really interesting. It is a word, I told you this was about fishing. It is a word for a baited hook. 
It looks like, I mean, that big worm on that hook to that big bass laying up in that log, it looks like just a worm. He doesn't know that there is a hook in that, in that bait. And when, he, and when he sees that, that internal, that internal source that says a fish likes worms is connected to an external force, which is the worm, and he goes for it. He pounces on it. And then, James says, he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. That word carried away is just really picturesque for me when thinking about the fishing thing. That big fish, he thinks that, man, he thinks I've got my, I've got my lunch right here, and all of a sudden he's going to be lunch. You know, it does not work out the way that we think it's going to work out. So that's the, the way temptation works. The cause of temptation is there is something inside me, there is something in me, and that's something the Bible calls my flesh that desires, that desires fulfillment. And then there's something out there, there's some form of, of activity or some substance that I am drawn to. And once those two things come together, then they create the powerful force of temptation in my life. Number two, how does temptation work? What is the course of temptation? So the cause of temptation we've seen, what is the course of temptation? Look at verse 15. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. James is trying to help us understand where the road to temptation ultimately leads. And he uses the illustration of the conception of a child. That's the language that is used in this verse of Scripture. He says, when lust has conceived, when there is conception, when that internal source and that external force come together and we, begin, and we take the hook, he says, all of a sudden, lust is conceived and it gives birth then to sin. So ultimately, if I toy with temptation, it's going to give birth to sin in my life. I cannot flirt with temptation day after day after day without it ultimately wearing me down and I will give in. I will give in every single time. If I am not accountable to someone, if I don't keep my prayer life up, if I, if I don't stay in God's word, I am absolutely convinced that one of the great preventions of falling into temptation is a daily diet of God's word. If you guys don't have a daily time when you're reading a few verses of scripture, read a chapter of scripture, read a devotional, do something that puts you in God's word, you are missing out on a powerful source of strength to resist temptation. David wrote in Psalm 119 verse 11, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. When we hide God's word in our heart, when we, when we study God's word, when we listen to God's word, when we read God's word, when we memorize God's word, then when I face a temptation, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit takes the word of God that has been implanted in my heart. He brings it to my mind, and it is a powerful weapon to help me resist temptation. If I don't have any scripture memory, if I don't have any scripture in my heart, if I don't have any scripture in my mind, the Holy Spirit's got very limited resources to work with. And so I want to challenge you to make sure you're staying in the Word of God. And so he says, verse 15 again, he says, When lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. He's using 
the illustration of childbirth. There's conception, and then there's birth. But then he says, but the baby is stillborn. The baby's dead. He says it brings forth death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Sin produces death. The just uh, wages are what you deserve, right? If, you, if somebody says, hey, will you come flip hamburgers for me or sell chicken at the Chick-fil-A and we'll give you $12 an hour. And you say, yes, I'll do that. And you work four hours and they pay you $48. You get what you deserve. That's wages, okay? The just payment for sin is death. That's what God says. So what I need to remember is that when I allow sin to be conceived through, through temptation, it's going to give birth eventually. The truth is, it's, it's going to be found out. It's going to come out. I'm not, I can't resist forever if I keep toying with it. And it produces death and defeat. The only way for us to resist and to stand firm against temptation is for us to root temptation out. Uh, my... I, I like, I like having a nice yard. You know, we got my, my wife and I live in a nice neighborhood, and all our neighbors have nice yards, so they guilt me into trying to work on I don't like yard work, but I want to have a nice yard. And we live on this part of town where there's this big field right next to my house. So you ought to try to have a nice yard with a field full of weeds next door. It's really hard. These weeds blow over in my yards, they germinate, and they spring up in my yard all the time. So I, I'm trying to get rid of the weeds. I want my nice, smooth grass. I want my, my yard to look like a golf course, you know, and it's not, it, it doesn't at all. As a matter of fact, it looks horrible right now. But what I've learned is that if I just mow over those weeds, they look good for about a day. You can't tell they're there. But after about three days, the weeds spring back up again. There is only one way to eradicate those weeds, and that's to pull them out by the root. Something has to either, be, they either have to be pulled out by the root or you use a chemical and it kills the root. The only way for us to stand against temptation is to kill the root. That is the only way for us to do it. And finally, James gives us a caution about temptation. The last thing he says is so very important. Verse 16, do not be deceived. Some people think that the do not be deceived is connected to the next passage. I think it's a bridge between the two. I think James is saying, hey, don't think you're strong enough to stand. Don't, don't think you can do this on your own. Don't, don't think that you're never going to fall. I want to tell you about some, some deceptions that I find people believing. Sometimes as a pastor, people come to me and they talk to me about really big issues in their lives, and sometimes it's pretty sorrowful. I mean, people who come to talk to me about epic failures in their life that they have experienced. I want to tell you three things that I have heard people say in so many words. The first one is, I never thought I'd get caught. I never thought I'd get caught. I had a guy who was cheating on his wife. He's sitting in my office. This has been 10 years ago. And he looked me in the eye and he said that. 
And I'm like, really? You never thought you'd get caught? I mean, the Bible says your sin will surely find you out. Your sin is ultimately going to be exposed. And he was absolutely deceived into thinking that he could sin, that he could chase temptation, and he would never get caught. I worry that in a room this size, this many people, somebody's got that same attitude. Won't happen to me. I'm too smart. Nobody will ever find out. I'll never get caught. Here's what James would say to you. Do not be deceived. The second deception that I've heard people come up with is, I didn't think it would cost me anything. They thought that the temptation was so trivial, it seemed at the time. It was so small, it seemed at the time. But the problem is that the small temptation grows into a bigger temptation and a bigger temptation and a bigger temptation until finally you, you're in this mode of self-destruction of your life. Don't believe that sin doesn't have a cost. There is always a price tag. Just like for the fisherman and the fish, the hook is always hidden inside the bait. The cost and the price tag of our sin is always hidden. Satan always hides the price tag. He will always tell you this will cost you nothing. And sometimes it can cost you everything. Don't believe that lie. But here's the third one. You're entitled. You've been the good boy. You've been the good girl all your life. Come on, all your friends have done this. You're entitled. I mean, after all, think of all the times you've said no. What's it going to hurt to say yes one time? You're entitled. That is a deception from the evil one himself. Because here's the truth. When it comes to temptation that becomes sin, more sin will never satisfy you. It will just make you desire more sin. It's like drinking salt water. The more you drink, the more you thirst. And the less you're satisfied. Sin has that kind of effect. I talked to a young man once who was struggling with the issue of internet pornography. And he told me it started so innocently with just one click here and one click there. And, and he was, I, I, I don't doubt he was, he was telling me the truth. It was probably just, an accidental click on something or something that seemed innocent that turned out it wasn't. But the second time he clicked, it wasn't innocent. And by the third or fourth time, he was pursuing it. And eventually, he could not stop on his own. The only thing that, that stopped him, I'm going to tell you this, was the supernatural deliverance of God. He got therapy, he got help, but it was the power of God that ultimately set him free from that. Never believe, never ever believe that there won't be a cost and that the truth that it's so small or you're entitled or you won't get caught. Now, this message has been pretty heavy tonight and it's about a pretty heavy topic because what Satan wants you to think is, ah, that's just, you know, that's just so much preacher talk. 
But the truth is this. Sin always has about it an element of destruction. What Satan shows you as the shiny object and the thing you can't live without and the thing that you, that you really need that God's holding out on you, what Satan paints is this picture of this guilt-free experience, if you just plunge in, will overwhelm you with shame. The guilt and the shame is overwhelming. And I guess my appeal tonight is based around that. What if, Bob, I, I didn't resist? What if, what if I have messed up? What if, Bob, you really didn't tell my story, but you could have tonight? Because I thought I'd never get caught, and I thought there'd never be a cost, and my spiritual life just spinning out of control. That's why Jesus died. He died because we do mess up and we do sin and we do fall into temptation. Jesus died on that cross to set us free from our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. And so tonight, I just want you to worship for a few minutes and maybe if you need to have a time of just confession. If you just want to come here privately and just want to kneel down right here, nobody's going to bother you. It'll be okay. Maybe you want to talk to somebody. Some of us will be hanging around. You'd just like to go to a private place and talk. And I want to say this to you. You email, if, if you're like, I can't do this tonight. I can't deal with this tonight. I would be so embarrassed to walk up to Pastor Bob tonight because everybody in the room is going to be looking at me saying, I wonder what it, she's dealing with. I wonder what he did. First of all, they won't be saying that. But second, if you just want to email me and just set up a time we can talk, it's okay. We can talk, okay? But tonight, I, I really believe that what we need to do is just surrender our hearts again to God and say to God, God, boy, there, there's this thing in my life and it's gotten a whole lot bigger than I thought I'd ever get. And I need your strength and your power to overcome it. And so I'm just going to surrender to you. So after I pray, we're going to stand up and sing together. If you want to come here and pray, you can do that. If you want to pray with somebody's back, you can do that. If you just want to worship where you are, you can do that. Let's pray. Father, this, uh, this subject is so real to us because every single one of us has dealt with it. We've all faced it. And some of us, if we're honest, are facing it right now. So Lord... Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for strengthening us by your word. And tonight, Father, I pray for students in this room who are, who are struggling, who are wrestling against powerful forces of temptation. Lord, grant them the strength in this moment by your spirit to stand against it, to, to live a life of righteousness. Help them to see that what you have for them is so much better than the temptations of this world. For those in this room who would honestly say, I've taken a step backwards. I have sinned. I fell for temptation. Lord, by your spirit, 
Convince them of your love and your passion for them, of your great mercy and grace to forgive sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up together and let's worship. 